recording. We're recording a show. Recording a show. We're here. Hello and welcome to In a Time of Ancient Gods, <laughs> the Xena podcast. Welcome. Where we are revisiting every episode of Xena Warrior Princess in order and researching the myths, characters, and themes we meet in the Xenaverse. I, I'm your host, Justine. Yes. Oh, and over there, <laughs> I'm Haley. Hey. I oh, just hi, can't Haley. wait to start talking. <laughs> I'm sorry. I really I take up all that space giving the intro, but I have it written down. I forgive so you. It. <laughs> Tell me more. More. So we're so happy to be here. Mm-hmm. Couldn't be more thrilled. Absolutely. What have you been up to since we last chatted, Haley? Oh, my gosh. Well, the biggest development is my baby is in daycare. Woohoo! And he started. Also, uh, I know. He started two <laughs> days ago. But he seems to be doing okay. He's he doing great. He doesn't want to drink a lot of milk, but he's eating until his little belly's all stuffed. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I get these pictures of him looking like, because he's eaten so much of his little mush of, I don't know, pasta and carrots and Just things. Blended mix. His blended well, orange I love mix. That they send you photos. That's very I love that too. thoughtful. But he seems really comfy when he's being dropped off, which makes me feel Great. good. And it's with someone who has known another person I know well for like 20 years. So I feel good about it. I feel Amazing. free to do my work. I'm very excited to get child going. Child care is so freaking important. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's like I, I look around my house. I'm like, now I can like do things like put things away where they're supposed to be and, and work also on your do my work. PhD. It's like yeah. I can put the dishes away and do my PhD. Yeah. It doesn't have to be one or the other or like no, no. sleeping. You can have so, it all. I can have it all. The dishes <laughs> and my work <laughs> and children who are and Zena thriving and Zena, of course. <laughs> this is my day off. <laughs> Amazing. But so that's really good. What else have I been doing? Oh, I watched a great soapy, like, Nora Roberts movie on Netflix with my sister and mom on the telephone the other day. Cute. It was great. The plot was really fun. I can't remember what it was called, but it was about a murder mystery novelist whose Mm. sister was murdered, and she has to solve the murder mystery with a hot cop who lives next door. Hot cop? Great. (laughs) It was great. We were like, should we watch this, like, really dark, like, drama? And then my mom was like, oh, look what I found. (laughs) So, and then it, like, opened up a whole avenue to a bunch of, like, Lifetime-style movies on Netflix, which I did not know were there. You know, Netflix sometimes does not direct me to the films I want to see. There's got to be something. Like the algorithm is not working for me, but it's finally we right stumbled now. upon it. So That's if amazing. you guys are looking for lifetime, because I thought I was shut out of that whole genre since I don't have cable Mm-mm. anymore. But I oh, was no, like, no, no, it's all there waiting for you. <laughs> it was all there. This my mom Netflix and I recently like watched suggesting a- lots of things like that to me. So oh, delightful, delightful. Uh, my mom and I watched The Lake House on oh. our like. How TV phone date. So good. <laughs> if you haven't seen The Lake House recently. It's been it's a long time. Amazing. There's time travel. There's Keanu. There's love. What's happening? There's connections. It's, it's by amazing. a lake. <laughs> Part of it. Lake. That's all I remember. There's a house. There's by a, a house lake. By and a, a dog. And Keanu Reeves. And that's Ugh. all I need to know. Mm, I'm so glad. To know. 
What's going also on with you? Also super exciting news. Yes. By the time this airs, I'll be back in the Bay Area. <gasps> Moving back. Can you hear my energy? I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Next recording, we'll be in the same room. What? <sighs> it's going to present Gasp. all new microphone challenges, and I can't Gasp. wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. I can't even stand it. Uh, We're going to play D&D. It's going to be so stylish. Oh, I know. We're going to be stylish. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a little pod loft that we can pod away oh upstairs, my, my new space. Ugh. Oh, my God. Amazing. It's I just, like, can't even wait. I'm so excited. Mm. And I'm so excited mm-hmm. to play D&D with you. Mm-hmm. It's just can't like wait. it's going to take our adventures and our quests in all new directions. I know it. I'm so excited. Well. Just one other quick thing. Please. I started watching that Teal Swan docuseries Oh, my gosh. I've been watching it with Evie. <laughs> oh yeah. It was it was good. If anybody isn't aware of Teal Swan, she's kind of a she's a new age healer, thought mm-hmm. leader. Yeah. And uh I'm I'm still unsure. I have very complicated feelings about yeah. all of it. I, I don't feel think like she's she evil. She is an egomaniac. Mm. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know exactly how harmful she is. But I know. I, I feel think like a lot she's... of her teachings are actually really helpful for people who need to hear it. Mm-hmm. And from a lot of the like trauma support that she was offering and like creating mm-hmm. a space for people to work through their trauma in like a community space yeah. is great and valuable. But I just wish she wasn't I, putting traumatized people in the position of therapist for like other traumatized people. I do, but I also like, I mean, some people just don't have friends. That's you true. know, they don't have like anyone that they can talk to about this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think putting people in a situation where they can talk about it with someone who has been through it mm-hmm. is helpful. I don't yeah. know. I'm not trying to like defend anything she's doing. I think my biggest issue is like what is the responsibility of someone in kind of like a healing leader space to like care for everyone around them? Mm-hmm. And like what is their like what is their responsibility to their like quote unquote followers. Yeah. Well, I think what the documentary's been doing really well so far for me is like opening that question and not mm-hmm. being like a hundred percent one sided and like kind of like showing the appeal of her message and yeah. her like process. And I think that's really helpful, especially in like a documentary about a group that's been like accused of being a cult to mm-hmm. like show the appeal and show what's like the attraction. For people besides like, you know, brainwashing or things that we usually yeah. like associate with cult. It's like something that's actually providing some supports that people need. It definitely, it doesn't seem like a cult to me. I mean, like cults are definitely like on a spectrum, mm-hmm. you know, but this, this feels very low on the spectrum. Like there is definitely some problematic aspects, but people yeah. can leave whenever they want. People can. Yeah. But I feel I like know. we may get into some more problematic aspects as we continue mm, in the series. I'm only on episode one. Yeah. I think episode I, two opens up some some other okay. challenges. You and I definitely listened to the podcast and I'm like remembering people giving away all their money to her yeah. and like her telling them that their families were toxic and she needed to get away from them, which is really culty. Yeah. But it seems like the people who are just going to her like kind of Tony Robbins events and like presentations mm-hmm. aren't as I don't know. Yeah, I feel like there's a very highly manipulative inner circle, and I don't Mm -hmm. know exactly what the extent of her influence in the outer circle is. But um, I think it also just points to, like, something that's continuing to be a problem in our country, which is, like, 
that we don't have support for people who are going through traumatic events. There like isn't exactly. anything out there. There's nothing except for like there's just YouTube you know, videos and three o'clock right, in the morning. Exactly. Of, like women and, like, telling you to imagine for, like, squares. Seven months for your Kaiser psychologist appointment or whatever. Yeah. So we hope that that changes. I guess. So it's fun <laughs> if you guys like cults. Check it out. Check it out. Uh, there's Swan. also, I will mention that there are two documentaries. One of them is like on Amazon and produced by mm. Teal Swan, I think, or someone oh. within her circle. And one is on Hulu and is like. The Hulu one was so uh, like intimately in her space. Yeah. Like she had to be involved in it. I think I she. I don't know how. They definitely had her consent. And like, mm-hmm. I do think it's like they started out with a question rather than like an answer. So I feel like that yeah. may have get granted them access to her. Interesting. I know. Fascinating. Fascinating. Highly recommend. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Okay. Well, sharp left. Yeah. Should we start the episode? Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. So this is uh, season two of Xena, episode 11. Here she comes. Miss Amphipolis. Which originally aired January 20th, 1997. It was written by Chris Mannheim, directed by Marina Sargenti, mm-hmm. and it's the first episode that's been both written and directed by ladies. Oh, my gosh. Into it. We love it. We love it. Would you like to hear the IMDb extri- Always. Um, IMDb me. description? Uh, tell me anything <laughs> IMDb tells me. <laughs> <laughs> I've turned into a bot. <laughs> I know. Tell me what IMDb tells so a fragile piece may be derailed by behind-the-scenes mayhem at a beauty pageant in which the rulers of all three former enemies have entered their girlfriends as contestants. Interesting. I feel like Zena, that not was mentioned. written by a bot. <laughs> no. Like, the rulers of the enemies? Let's put some more words in there. In which the rulers of all three former enemies have entered their girlfriends as contestants. Yeah, it is nonsense. So, basically, anyway. this episode beauty contests mm-hmm. uh, between three city-states that had formerly been at war. The mm-hmm. warlords entered their girlfriends in it. And this is like, it's been a year since there's been peace and everyone's trying to like They're trying just to relax rebuild. and have a yeah. good time. And this is like their peaceful competition. Like the um, golden apple myth, right? You just toss. Exactly. <laughs> well, we'll get to that in the, in the research oh, later. Oh my goodness. So who is the big bad in this episode? Hmm. The big bad. Well, the profiteering, spoiler, peaceful person. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is the big bad. But I think um, misogyny in general, clearly. Yes. Always. And internalized misogyny. Yes, absolutely. Which we defeat. Yeah. It's great. Ugh. It's a good episode. Good episode. There's no, there's no gods in this, right? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, they kind of mention some, but none in human yeah, form. Yeah, no. None There's some, like devotions to the gods, but no appearances. No apparitions. Um, do we have any villagers? Not really. Mm. No. No, we have like attendants. Attendees. Yeah, there's no doctor Xena, but we do have a fashion designer Xena. We do. Good with a knife. Good with like just cutting things up. No cults in this episode, no dungeons. Surprisingly. I wouldn't really, there's some kind of love interest adjacent actions, mm-hmm. but no yeah, direct no, like, love interest. Yeah, no new, like, powerful love interests. 
No, it's a fun noticing. episode. It's great. Yeah. We love it. We love it. Absolutely love it. <laughs> so where do we start off? Desires. <laughs> no <laughs> needy <laughs> fathers with their <laughs> desires. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> All right. Let's start off. We open up with Zena and Gabrielle walking along a peaceful beach, it's chatting empty. about Salmonia sending for them, and they're not sure why. Yeah. They summoned them to a beautiful island. And I'm really happy that at this point, like, we're, we know who Salmonius is. So, like, mm-hmm. they can just say Salmonius. And we're like, oh, that guy. Like, oh, we know him. Mm-hmm. From he's a previous episode. We don't know what. Yeah. Many previous it's episodes. It's probably going to be a fun episode because he's here. Exactly. There's going to be lots of scheming mm-hmm. and hilarious vaudevillian quips. Yes, that's right. <laughs> probably some, like, jewels. It's not going to be, like, a, a dark episode with Salmonius in it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> So, but Zena's like, okay, this place is really peaceful. It didn't used to be. They walk mm-hmm. by the remains of a warship. Yes. There's been a peace treaty for a year. Mm-hmm. And Gabby's like, that's plenty of time to go back to normal. And then she falls into a rut. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Literally like the- slips and falls. <laughs> it's a chariot wheel tracks from, like, a cart, a heavy cart. And then there was the... I laughed out loud. Oh my gosh. But Gabby's like, where did this come from? And Zena says, the same place as that one. There's <laughs> <It's> like two <laughs> ruts in the sand. It was really funny. <laughs> and then Gabby starts digging for clams. She's like, clams, cause... lots of them. I know what I'm having for dinner. She's so excited. She loves clams. And you know what? I don't blame her. I love a I clam and not... garlic pizza. You know, I don't. At all. Give me one of those. <laughs> Give me clams and linguine. That's one of the first things I learned to cook. And I'll still what? eat it. What? Oh, yeah. Cooking camp. 1995. <laughs> or something like that. So they just had you making clams and linguine as a kid? Yeah. I'll tell you the recipe. It's easy. Ready? Open a can of clams. <laughs> dump it in a pan. Put some garlic in there. Maybe you put garlic and oil in first. Then you dump some clams in. Heat them up, boil some pasta, toss them together. You're set. It's dinner for the night. Like, but what kid is going to eat that? What a weird thing. Yeah. (laughs) The great thing is the clam sauce that's in the can is tasty enough Uh to eat with the pasta. I don't know, man. I'm I'm not on board with this. Toss some parsley in there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You'll love it. Oh, You're not a what seafood person, food though. camp was this? I'm not a seafood person. It was a food camp. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it was a camp. There were lots of activities, but one of them was cooking. and One of them was good. food. One of them was food. That's nice. That's nice you did that. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you and Gabby are really aligned we in this episode. We are aligned. I want her to chop the clams up. I don't want her to eat them whole in the sand. But. She's just going to do it. Yeah. Uh, so Zena declares that only a war wagon would have made such tracks recently. Because mm-hmm. they're in the sand. They're in the sand. And they're suddenly interrupted by scantily clad women fleeing down the beach. Oh my gosh. That's almost exactly <laughs> what I wrote. Wearing scarves and bikinis. <laughs> they're being chased by was... two men with swords. <laughs> it was really funny. And one's like... Come back, girls. How about a little kiss? (laughs) Very 
tame rape culture. Exactly. <laughs> this really, is what really we call it. <laughs> Very uh-huh. tame, like adults playing like children's rape culture. Just scary. Yeah. It's- it's really, it was very frightening, mm-hmm. but also comical. Yeah. Lots of emotions wrapped into this I know. moment. We were like, we're back in the 90s. We're back in the 90s. But you know what? Zena's going to have none of that. Mm-mm. And guess What's what they're going to do? do with those clams? They're going to just throw them at all these men. <laughs> Get them. Just throw them and all the dudes run away. And Gabby keeps handing clams to Zena. Zena yeah. just chucks them at these dudes. That was funny. <laughs> and it chases them away. And then as the clams are flying, they make like little... I didn't notice. I love that. Ah, More flying animals. Sea sea animals. (laughs) So then Salmonius shows up on the beach and runs after the guys, telling them to get away from the girls. Salmonius is more upset that the costumes are Mm -hmm. getting ruined than the girls' safety. And the women are super mad. Everyone's pissed. Mm -hmm. No one's happy about this. And then Zena's extra Mm -hmm. mad because he called her there to meet him for a beauty contest. Oh, my gosh. And the language here is a little harsh. Yeah. She calls them underdressed, overdeveloped bimbos, which is like... Pretty mean. Really mean, Zena. Mm -hmm. And I think they were just kind of actively trying to tip the scales so we like feel that 90s feeling of like hating women who look good or who like... Or, Mm -hmm. I don't know, just hating beauty contests. Yeah, it is kind of interesting. But it was like a 90s, 80s, 90s thing where you're supposed to kind of like hate the pretty girls who are like performing in a beauty pageant. Exactly. It's like such a 1997 vibe for this like um, to pit women against each other. Mm -hmm. And you can only be one kind of woman. Yeah. So the writers are kind of playing that up to like set the scenes for what we see develop in the storyline. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I'm not upset with Xena for thinking that because it was Mm -hmm. in service of the story. Also, we like totally know that's not what real Xena is thinking. It's just what the writers put in her mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We like 100% know what she's thinking, which is like, why are these men attacking these girls? (laughs) Exactly. I... I love the, like, yeah, I I just love Zena. Yeah, it's so great. I mean, I love that, like, we know her so well already that we could be like, oh, the writers just did that for her. That's not her at all. Yeah, they just did that to teach people a lesson who don't already know what Zena knows. Exactly. (laughs) We get to live through her. Oh, my gosh. I have to, like, take a mental note for my talk later (laughs) and my research later. It's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. So then feminist Gabby also yells out, You know, beauty pageants are a feeble excuse for men to exploit and degrade women, Mm -hmm. which is definitely a feminist, like, talking point Mm -hmm. for, like, third-wave feminism. But now in fourth-wave feminism, we've kind of, like, stepped into the space of everybody do whatever you want. You can still be Mm -hmm. a feminist if you want to be just whatever. Right. It doesn't – you don't – yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, (laughs) great. Contest was intended to celebrate the year of peace. Mm-hmm. And then Salmonius is also going to make a lot of money off of merchandising. Oh, which boy, made me laugh. always. <laughs> Salmonius. Sal. And then he also has some side hustles on like bets and stuff going on mm. about who's going to win. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Uh huh. So we know it's the Doge of Messini, the Regent of Skiros, mm. and the Palatine of Parnassus have each entered Great. their girlfriends in the pageant. Ladies. Uh-huh. But someone's trying to unbalance things oh and gosh. kill or maim the contestants. Oh, no. Why? They've tried canceling the pageant, but no one will let them. No one they will let them. They need someone to spy from the inside. Inside. They got to keep the peace. Mm-hmm. And Gabby's just like, yeah, cancel it. Yeah, and, and she Salmonius, doesn't do it. Yeah. She's like, no, I hate these victimizing meat markets. 
And Zena's like, she's like, I'm already ready. What I said before, I didn't mean it even 1%. (laughs) I'm going in. I'm obviously going to go in and just totally win. Mm -hmm. And then we come to the credits. So I researched. Yes. I researched beauty pageants. Oh my gosh. Are we ready? Yes. Okay. So I read a really great PBS article. From their like American Experience series, uh, oh which is God. Miss America Beauty Pageant Origins and Culture. Uh, I really want to watch that. Uh, I just read the article. So wow, I'll just read it. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to do both. First, I'm going to listen to you. I won't interrupt. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and then I also read the Wikipedia article on Miss Universe. So the first myths of a beauty pageant, as we mentioned a couple minutes ago, mm-hmm. the judgment of Paris. When Eris, goddess of discord, wasn't invited to Achilles' parents' wedding, she showed up anyway with a cursed golden apple as a gift with inscribed for the fairest. Mm-hmm. Chaos ensued, Trojan War, all of that. So according to PBS, there's no historical evidence of beauty contests for women in ancient Greece, but ancient Greece did have like physical challenge competitions often, and these were typically for men. True. So European festivals are kind of more likely the direct line to modern beauty pageants. So their celebrations like the English May Day, Mm -hmm. where they selected the May Queen, and they selected women uh, would serve as symbols of bounty and community. I didn't realize they did that. So the first like, American kind ago. of straight up beauty contest for prizes can be traced to P.T. Barnum in the 1850s. Wow. He hosted a ton of competitions at his Dime Museum in New York City, where paying audiences would witness displays and judgments of children, chickens, dogs, flowers. And then in 1855, he posted a dowry prize if the winner was single and a diamond tiara if she was married to the handsomest lady. Mm. Which And this was a very, like, tough sell in Victorian era because at that time women are supposed to be, like, modest and at home and pure and quiet and not be at, like, the center stage of anything or be ogled. So Barnum was like, okay, I still think this is going to make a lot of money. I just got to get people to agree with it. So instead he showed photos of women instead of the women themselves. And he would sell tickets to the exhibit and the public could vote on them. And the 10 finalists would receive specially commissioned oil portraits of themselves, which would then be reproduced in a fine art book published in France, very ooh-la-la. So it's this, like, kind of low-brow, high-brow thing mm-hmm. that was, like, totally on brand for America in the 1850s. Yeah. It was just, like, just everything was exploding and crazy. Did they have, like, in the article any reproductions of those paintings? No, but or I books? bet we could look them up, and I bet they're fabulous. Yeah. How weird. Yeah, so this is, like... A new kind of model for commercial entertainment. Yeah. And so all of these, like, kind of beauty contests start, like, popping up all around. Interesting. So, and as opinions on women in public started to change by the late 1800s, they became, beauty pageants became really popular at beach resorts. Mm. So many other people copied the photo judge contests. At the 1905 World's Fair in St. Louis, there was a reported 40,000 photo entries. Oh, my gosh. How do you even judge so, between 40,000 people? She's pretty. She's not. <laughs> she's cool. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> I know. Who's Who knows? Probably don't even. They just like pick whatever. You probably take 100 and then choose between them. 
That's yeah. what I would do if I were them. <laughs> so on September 8th, 1921, Atlantic City organizers held the first Miss America pageant. Oh. So at the time, Atlantic City was a huge tourist attraction. There was the Midway, roller coasters, beach, boardwalk, and they also hosted pre-Broadway shows there. Ooh. So Miss America pageants have been held there every year since. Oh I didn't gosh, realize that. I didn't know that at all. I know. So in 1921, the Atlantic City Businessmen's League reached out to newspapers to sponsor local beauty contests. So the winners of the local contests would then move on to participate in the Miss America contest. So they were just having this kind of How larger hierarchical structure. I know. So the newspapers would pay for the winner's wardrobe, and then Atlantic City Businessmen's League would pay for the contestants' travel. It's kind of like sports or something. Like Yeah, yeah, exactly. Advance. They're trying to like come up with more commercial Mm-hmm. ways of monetizing women <laughs> just like sports They're like we've did this for men but now with women now how do we make their bodies money <laughs> exactly <laughs> so the first competition was kicked off by king neptune arriving on a barge landing at the atlantic city yacht club oh my god so there was like a big uh, costume i bet neptune. he's so much lamer than he should and there was be there's a costume ball called the frolic of neptune which included 20 white women dressed as water nymphs and 20 black men dressed as quote-unquote slaves which is like really awful uh, well we knew that was coming somewhere in there we we knew something awful was going to happen something terrible and we were it's unclear in the article uh, if these how these men were compensated but the female winner of the Golden Mermaid Trophy won $100, which is about 1600 today. That's and the winners good. were chosen, I know, by the audience's applause and panelists with a point system. So there's like an applause-o-meter. So the first winner was 16-year-old Margaret Gorman from Washington, D.C. And I looked up pictures of her, and she's very adorable. Mm. And it's really interesting how beauty standards change mm-hmm. from like— I bet. Yeah. And it was also kind of common at the time for people not to wear makeup because makeup was the like oh, yeah. the ladies of the night for it. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's just fascinating how things change. Yeah. So the contest expanded over the next six years and organizers had to avoid charges of immorality from conservative protesters. And so they presented the contestants as natural. They're like, they're unsophisticated. They're wholesome. There's no makeup. They don't have any bobbed hair. They're oh just these, like down home American girls. I'm like Come so on. grossed out by this like. Like, I don't know. I hate that, like, sexualization of, like, sixteen year being normal people. It's like, they're sexy because yeah. they're normal. Yeah. <laughs> it just reminds it me of, like, icky. being victimized and, like, in, you know, just, like, the way people are just awful to teenage girls. It It's all of that. Mm-hmm. This is the, it, yeah. Just stop it. it. it it's, it's all, everyone just stop it. So at the same time... As American beauty contests were becoming a thing in the 1880s to the 20th century was the blossoming of the cosmetics industry, which was originally led by upwardly mobile women and door-to-door sales, which I never really thought about. I had just Hmm. kind of assumed it was like a male-dominated field, but it was actually like women marketing to women. Cool. So over the next decades, the ideas of beauty and makeup changed from natural looks and Mm -hmm. kind of wholesome to makeup being presented as necessary to be feminine. Interesting. So in the 1940s, job opportunities declined for women in America, and then being beautiful and kind of self-improvement became kind of a mode of income, which is also – I know. So So like – you mean like in terms of like selling makeup and things like that or – Just like yourself being – like being a beautiful – like – I think it was like selling makeup, but also um, that kind of like self-care and making sure that you were like the hottest thing in the room yeah. would give you access to more opportunities that makes sense. than not. It depends on like maybe what opportunities you're going for. It 
It definitely. But yeah. like in I would imagine that in like male dominated fields that these women are trying to break into, they're probably going to want the sexier woman to be their secretary than right. a woman they find, quote unquote, sexy. But then there's a double standard. And if you're like too sexy, then you're like can't be taken seriously in that field, too. Just, I mean, just let people be normal and don't make everything about like everything. Yeah. We don't have to make money off of everyone's uh, whatever. We don't, <laughs> we're all on the same page wear here. What they want to wear, and then don't like tell them they're sexy or not. Just like just <laughs> let the people like go through their day. <laughs> no one can though. <laughs> Ever. This is the world we live in. So, 1951, Miss America Corporation, a nonprofit organization that was not related to the Miss America pageant. So, okay. like, kind of around this time, also everyone's oh, like, weird. "There's money to be had. Let's make up all these names that are kind of adjacent to the successful Let's thing." Make up and a nonprofit. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what exactly so they, was their charitable activity? I mean, who like this event, like putting on You're like it's Miss good America for everybody. Okay, don't tax yeah, us. Don't tax us. So they unified regional contests and they invented the Miss World pageant. And in 1952, Catalina Swimwear pulled out as a sponsor and founded the rival Miss USA and Miss Universe pageants. So it's this like little pod of people who are all making money off this. And then some people were like, oh, I could make a lot more money off this Mm -hmm. if I did this other thing. There there literally are enough women in America to have multiple contests going on at the same time (laughs) (laughs) there's no limit of women who can compete (laughs) Uh, so the current miss universe pageant was first held in long beach california in 1952 and it was won by army kusela from finland the pageant was first televised in 1955 donald trump bought the pageant in 1996 and eventually had exclusive airing rights with nbc that's why his ivanka was um hosting it when i first saw them miss something pageant and she used the, the term universe. sparkly bubbly which is still in use in my family <laughs> <laughs> thanks ivanka <laughs> she's so sparkly bubbly she's really sparkly bubbly in 2015 nbc canceled all their business relationships with trump and miss universe organization due to his horrible statements on illegal immigrants and so trump bought out nbc's stake in miss america organization or maybe miss universe i don't uh, i'm sorry <laughs> Which it was miss universe it yes and sold the whole company three days later oh my so God. the current owner of miss universe organization is paula shugart Okay, and uh, I was just like, I don't, I don't like, want to follow too much. Probably of that. like so much more politics. Someone should write a book about that. I, I'm sure they have. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. I'm just like, I didn't want to get out of there. We don't want to have anymore. All I want to know is sparkly bubbly, and then the rest of the Trump involvement is out of my frame yeah, of I'm mind. Like, I don't, I don't want to think about him in the like dressing rooms, just walking I in really whenever don't. he wants. I really don't. Ugh, okay, just so I'm gross. sorry I brought it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So the hosts of beauty pageants are definitely a thing. Okay. And so we see in this episode, Salmonius is like the host of the beauty pageant. Yes. And he pulls it like totally pulls out all the stops. I know. The song, I, you the know pizzazz. what? I love him as a host of the beauty pageant. Me too. It's very comforting mm-hmm. and great. So it's typically a man hosting and he's like, welcome, ladies. <laughs> They love dancing in the sand and helping old people. Aren't these ladies beautiful? Let's give them a hand. Exactly. Thank you. So consistent critiques of beauty pageants are that they promote and import Western values. They threaten local culture. 
so as it's like been spread around the mm-hmm. world, it's definitely a very like Western standards creepy thing. Absolutely. And many people find them degrading to women, as Gabrielle thoughtfully described. And also for some, though, it's a way of feeling national pride and legitimacy on a global stage. Mm-hmm. So there is kind of this transition with the Miss Universe of like, even though it's this like, I don't know, Western space, you can still represent your country mm-hmm. and get some recognition and some like assistance there. Sure. So these individual women kind of become these symbols of national identity, group values, and pride, mm-hmm. which is just like interesting and complicated and blah. Yeah. So the 2021 Miss Universe pageant had 2.7 million viewers on Fox. Oh my gosh. Down from 3.8 million viewers in 2019. So people are like not as interested. Mm. So the current Miss Universe wins $250,000 and a crown. Oh, my God. She gets to stay in the Miss Universe apartment in New York for one year. Okay. Excuse me. And between 1996 and 2015, that apartment was uh, a Trump place apartment in New York City. And from the Wikipedia article. Oh, yeah. So, no, this is true. I looked it up multiple times. She used to share that apartment with Miss USA and possibly Miss Teen USA. Hey. That's and not I an watched, apartment all to myself. No. I'm like, why did she have to go through all this to share this really dingy apartment? Ew. I looked up a video on YouTube and it's just like this normal, dingy, yeah. And small she can't even apartment. sublet it. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm like, she's Miss Universe. Yeah. You can't give her like She a wants flat? more than a tiara. <laughs> right. Yeah. How much money oh do God, you think they really rake in with that? So this... What I wasn't expecting to research and made me really happy was the history of the crowns of Miss Universe. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. Tell me so about So the them. crown has been changed Ooh. over the 70-year course. It's not the same crown. Okay. I guess I just assumed that every year the girls would get their own crown. Yes. It's not. It's oh. like a, a the same crown. crown, typically. So the first one was the Romanov Imperial Nuptial Crown in 1952. The second one was the Romanov Diadem Crown or Metal Bronze Crown. And I feel like the Romanoff name in the 50s felt like a little out of place and weird, but that's yeah, fine. Yeah, whatever. So in 1954 to 1960, it was the star of the universe, valued Ooh. at $500,000 with black pearls and a star shape. That's 1961 cool. 1961 to 63 was the Lady Rhinestone crown. 63 to 73 was the Sarah Coventry crown, which has a female figure holding a scepter in the center, which is pretty cool. cool. 73 to 2001 was the chandelier crown, which is a modified Coventry crown. Okay. 2002 to 2007 was the Mikimoto crown, who was the official jewel sponsor. And 2008, the CAO crown was worth $120,000, has a yellow luster of gold and stones that's supposed to represent the prosperous economy of Vietnam. But And the 2008 and- winner refused this crown oh. and insisted on another one. Why? Because it was so the pageant was this pageant was held in Vietnam this year. I couldn't find any details, but it seems like it was either because of the crown specifically or maybe she had an issue with Vietnam. I'm not sure. How bizarre. Um, I and know. then CAO, is that like company or something? Most of the crowns are named after like the sponsors who oh. created the crown. Well, in the beginning, they didn't seem like they were. Like they were. They like- weren't, but then they became like the lady, the Sarah Coventry crown. I think she. It was like Sarah Coventry Jewels or something. Okay. And the Mikamoto was the jewel sponsor. Right. So like I want them to name it back like Star, you know, Sparkle. Star of the Universe. I know. Well, they kind of do. So 2009 to 2013 is the Peace Crown. Okay. Also known as the Diamond Nexus. 
which Ooh. is set with 1,371 synthetic gemstones. Okay. And synthetic rubies to represent Miss Universe's HIV AIDS education and awareness platform. Okay. And this was the first eco-friendly jeweler. So there was no nice. no diamonds. They were all synthetic mm-hmm. jewels. 2014 to 16 was the Diamond International Corporation <laughs> crown. <laughs> DIC, I know. And the uh, this one was worth 300000 And it was kind of reminiscent of the Manhattan Ugh. skyline. It's too bad you can't, like, steal the crown and sell it when you're... I know. Miss just smash Universe it apart or whatever. And it. <laughs> yeah, and replace it with plastic. No, I don't know what happened. No, it's, it's just yeah. gone. Seventeen to eighteen was the Mikamoto crown again, and then in twenty nineteen was the Maurawad Power of Unity crown, which is the most expensive pageant crown worth five million uh, American dollars. Oh my god! And it has a golden canary diamond, which symbolizes ambition, diversity, community, and beauty. Says who? Uh, it says uh, nobody ever showed me a golden diamond and had me think that. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so <Not> today, <laughs> that's that's what I care about. <laughs> yep. So that's wow. that. That's Miss America, Miss Universe. Amazing. Pretty fun, huh? Yeah. Huh. 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 <laughs> Amazing. But y'all, sh- everyone should look up the crowns because they're really pretty. I do. I'm like <laughs> just really excited to look up the crowns and the contestant winners, pageant winners. Oh, yeah. I know. I was like, do I want to get sucked into looking at detailed pictures of every contestant winner? I don't know. <laughs> There's so many. And There's then so also many. like the universe, USA, America, USA. world. Yeah. <sighs> Interesting. So, this is kind of the the energy we're in right now. Because mm-hmm. this beauty pageant is very much a, like the, in this episode is a Western. Yeah. Based on Absolutely. like Miss America. Yeah. This is not getting into ancient Greek. No. Pageants. Okay. So we're back. We're back. In a big building castle place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're walking around backstage. There's like jugglers. There's hula hoops. And oh, yeah. um, Gabby's in full costume as the Marquesa. I, I love the Marquesa. I love the Marquesa. <laughs> I just, I can't get enough of the Marquesa. I really could not get I enough. I love her weird, like, you know, collar thing that comes up behind her head. I love that she just had this outfit. Uh, she's like, I guess I'll wear my Marquesa costume. <laughs> Cena's like, yes. Just do she's it. She's like, you should be the Marquesa. so the marquesa is pretending to be xena's sponsor Mm -hmm. for this contest meanwhile xena's like wandering around in a ragged black robe (laughs) yeah and she's entering as miss amphipolis Mm -hmm. yes here she is here she is so we learn that each contestant has to compete in three contests and you have to keep winning or you're going to get kicked out Yes. People are very rude to Xena. They're not nice. They keep staring at her. She accidentally knocks into a girl, and a girl's like, watch it, Claude, or Mm -hmm. can't you see from up there? It was really great, popular mean girl. (laughs) I like Xena's reaction. She just kind of rolls her Mm -hmm. eyes and looks around. I know. She's so good at just, like, Mm -hmm. side-eyeing and shaking her head Mm -hmm. and letting everything roll off of her. I know. She doesn't care about anyone's insults. Yeah. So they walk into Miss Messini's room, where... A mild-mannered mm-hmm. woman is contemplating playing the harp. She's just sitting there thinking about it. And and then, but Gabby pulls out her 
Marquesa Monocle. She's so great. Everything that's happening. (laughs) She's so perfect. She's like judgmental, rich, arrogant, passion for life and beauty. European. Mm -hmm. Vaguely European. Very vaguely European. Like enthusiastically European. I think it becomes a stronger fake French accent later. It does. Yeah. Which we love. But Xena sees that this harp has been rigged <gasps> and booby-trapped. Oh, my god! To a crossbow in the corner of the room. Oh, no. <gasps> so when Miss Massini is going to play the strings, <gasps> then she'll hit one of the strings and, and the crossbow hit the crossbow. Will hit her. Crossbow will hit her. Quick. Xena sends her chakram flying. It hits Ring, the arrow out of the way just in time. Whew. And then she tosses the chakram to Salmonius. So it looks like he did it. No oh. one can know. No one can know. Miss Messini is so thankful. Mm-hmm. They go to another room and the three chat. Salmonius needs to find Xena disguise. Gabby's going to get to know the sponsors. Mm-hmm. And Gabby's just great. <laughs> she is. <laughs> Again, she's just great in the scene. So Xena changes to a silk robe and hair towel. Yes. And the matron of the event comes in and we think she might recognize Xena, but instead she criticizes her for being dumb yeah. and wearing her robe inside out. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> It's silly. And then she leaves. Mm-hmm. And where I was like, what was she there to do? She keeps like coming into rooms throughout the episode and like not doing anything. But she's there. She's very suspicious. I know. She's always like peering around. Mm-hmm. Matron. Mm-hmm. So then we go to the sponsors in another castle room. There's some burns, candles, vases, typical castle scene. Yeah. One sponsor is yelling at everyone about Miss Massini almost getting shot with the arrow and there's Throwing accusations wildly. Mm-hmm. And Gabby shows up. French accent blazing. Now it's now we're sure it's a French accent. <laughs> and as a harpsichord is playing behind her, mm. kind of a Louis the Fourteenth vibe. Oh, I love it. Did you notice? I didn't notice. Oh. Harpsichord. <laughs> and she has some great shaming statements mm-hmm. to make the sponsors like care about how they relate to their contestants. Yeah, she doesn't think it's they're nice. being very considerate. Mm-mm. Meanwhile, uh, with the ladies in the baths, we go back to Zena, um, or she's kind of we're in the steam room. Yeah, with a bunch of the contestants. Mm-hmm. It looks kind of nice. One, it looks chill. Yeah. One girl is really focused on winning extra food for her village. Mm-hmm. Another one wants to use whatever winnings to just get out of this town. Mm-hmm. And when Zena comes in, only the lady from. Skiros remains mm. and only long enough to tell Xena that she'll do whatever it takes to win. So the competition yeah. is very fierce. Very fierce. The contestants are like really snubby mm-hmm. to Xena. Okay, so Xena's just like, whatever, I'll hang out. The girls all leave. Xena's like, okay, I guess I'll go too. And she tries to go, but the doors are locked. <gasps> oh no. But she, and she's dressed in only a towel. What is she going to do? She's going <laughs> to she, use that towel. <laughs> so she takes her towel off and like snaps it at a vent yeah. to open the vent so that all the steam will go out and she won't die. Is that how she gets out too? Is that how she gets out? I don't know. That's what I thought. Oh, I thought, I don't know what happened. Yeah. Also, they probably shouldn't make the steam room that dangerous. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to control that kind of thing. Yeah. That era. <laughs> steam room. The show's about to get in so, or begin. So like, mm-hmm. thank goodness she thought to use a towel. I know. Salmonius and Gabby are just like, where's Zena? I can't find. She's going to miss the pageant. Oh. And then they're like, why do we think 
people are trying to kill contestants. Samoyas has to go MC the event. Oh my He's gosh. like, hey, that's it. Let's go. Get up there. So we're at the event. The contestants are strutting down the runway. Miss mm-hmm. Artifice is, we see her. She's uh, she'd been walk. glaring at Xena earlier. They'd had kind of a like mm-hmm. eye contact. Everyone's glare been glaring at Xena, but Miss Artifice Everyone's has glaring. especially. Mm-hmm. There's a huge crowd. It's a giant event. Miss Amphipolis is the last contestant. She made it. She made it. Thank goodness. Here she is. And she's in like a fun metallic swimsuity thing and a blonde a flippy top. wing. Wig. <laughs> Her wig is really not flattering, but hilarious. <laughs> I she shimmies she down great. the runway. Oh, she did. I mean, she looked great, but I feel like they could have judged um, her a little more. Yeah, yeah. sure. People are wolf whistling, cat calling. Xena blows kisses to the crowd. Mm-hmm. She's having a good time. She's playing it up. Yeah. And then we cut to the point of view of a bad guy <gasps> sneaking around Xena's room, goes into her trunk and steals her outfit. Oh, no. <gasps> What's she going to do? Her like her leather and you know, her traditional Xena armor. Xena. Yeah. Breastplate. So Skirt. backstage, Salmonius grabs her by the waist and is like, is that really you? And then she grabs him by the throat. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can't just, like, touch people like that. She's like, Salmonius, we only like you as the MC if you don't do that. Yeah, you can't just go backstage and grab women. That's not appropriate. Ugh. So she tells him she'd been locked in the steam room. And he says, someone tried to saute you? She said, yes. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so she holds up an earring and she's like, I think I know who the culprit is. Oh. So we go back to the steam room, and Miss Artifice is looking around for her earring, and Xena oh, shows up with it. That's what was happening. Mm-hmm. Miss Artifice it. tries to run away. Xena mm-hmm. grabs her and snatches her wig off, oh and she's gosh. a drag queen. Oh, my gosh. Ah! Miss Artifice locked Xena in the steam room to scare her, and mm-hmm. she thought she was going to tell everyone that she was a biological male in drag, and she didn't want Xena to tell anyone. And she came back to unlock the door, but Xena was already gone. This was like a very interesting moment because I felt like the heart was in this moment, but the mm-hmm. plot, I just didn't yeah. get it. But that's fine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, why are you trying yeah. to scare Xena so that she won't tell people? Yeah. Because it was unclear. She didn't know that Miss Artifice was doing it. Right. So it was, who knows where the threat's coming from. Yeah. Maybe she was so, trying yeah, that, to it was scare really her out of the out. pageant. Oh, yeah. She might have like come back to open the doors and be like, don't tell anyone or you'll get more where this came from or something. Yeah. But Zena's like, why would I tell anyone? Yeah. Like, I don't I don't care. It's like, your business is your business mm-hmm. and you look great. Artifice is like, this is the only chance I have to use a part of me that most people laugh at or worse mm-hmm. and a part I have to hide, but here it works for me. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, sorry, I got you steamed, <laughs> but just let me quit the pageant in private. Oh, and Zena's no. like, no, no, no. Yeah. Best person win. Mm-hmm. Do whatever you want. Be yeah, yourself. And gives her back and like, the earring. For especially on a time in TV where like just like a character like this in most other TV situations is like the quote unquote like butt of a joke, you know? Mm-hmm. And then here she's just like a character who's just multidimensional living her life. Yeah. Is absolutely really beautiful. And I love that they like wrote those lines in full seriousness, like mm-hmm. and kind of to like Show her in uh, her full personhood, the character. I love that as well. Yeah. And like it was love like it. a break where it's like 
there is a lot of like jokes and puns throughout the episode. Mm -hmm. But like this moment, there's obviously like a pause where they're recognizing this person's fullness, like their full personhood and beauty. Yeah. And the the jokes aren't like really at her Mm -hmm. expense. Right. Exactly. Or like, yeah, it's just like the jokes are all everything is a joke. I don't know. Everyone was in on it rather than just being cruel. Right. And, and they're also so often, many of the jokes are like spoken by Miss Artifice in a way that's mm-hmm. like pulling people in. And she's really powerful in this episode too. Mm-hmm. She's like, a, she's such a central character who mm-hmm. helps Xena in so many ways. Right. That it's really, I also just really love that so cool. like there's a reference to like the challenges that she goes through, but it's not like, yeah. The episode is not about her victimization. It's about her, like, shining. Exactly. Love it. I love it. This is a really great episode. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So classic. So, okay, we go back to the sponsors. They're at dinner arguing about everything. Mm -hmm. Marquesa is like, why are you all telling your contestants what to do? (laughs) Me and Miss Amphipolis are a team. Why ask her to do something? And she does it. Why do you not just ask your contestant? <laughs> <laughs> my Marquesa. <laughs> you are the best Marquesa. Am I channeling it? Second Thanks. only to Gabby. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also, yeah, all of the warlords are like, no, except for one. Mr. Machini, she, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and then Gabby can like hone in mm-hmm. and sense she's that like, she's like you are emotionally about connecting. Being nice, yes, <laughs> yes. Let us sit by the fire, and you can tell me your dreams. <laughs> I sense a vulnerable soul. Please, oh, she does. You can see her. Oh. So then we go back to Gabrielle helping Zena get her dress on. There's this like great moment mirroring the Zena credits where she's lacing up her boots and oh, Gabby's yes. narrating about the power and passion of a beauty pageant. Oh my gosh. So Gabby's getting into it. Oh, I didn't even notice that, but I love it. It was nice. Oh it was gosh. lovely. Well, I mostly noticed it because a couple episodes ago, I forget which episode it was, but something else was happening that mirrored that credits. And you were like, this is mirroring it. Oh my and I was gosh. like, oh my They're God, like, we Haley, love the so credits smart. so much. We have to have more credits. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the power and the passion. Boots. Oh, more. Just keep, just reframe this. Mm-hmm. Tell it to me over and over. I'll eat it up like popcorn. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so Gabby really wants to win this. She's so Zena's outfit is great. Something White I, and gold. Yeah. Yeah. I underestimate Gabby's competitiveness, competitive spirit many times. And I'm seeing I, it come through. And you know what? I'm learning to really appreciate that about her. I see myself in her yeah. in that <laughs> desire to win I yeah. often and they're like i hate that. this this is awful this is terrible i don't want anything to do with it and then when you do it you're just like i have to win <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be me i'm champion this is my life now <laughs> i know yeah oh, so she's dressing as you were saying in this like gauzy beautiful white gold dress. statue of liberty crown yes. she looks amazing mm-hmm. a bronze goddess she's a bronze goddess then we go to Salmonius leading the rehearsal for the big dance number, which is really funny. Yes. He's singing the song about how beautiful they are. And then they're all just shoving each other out of the way. Yeah. And there's some moments of praising Demeter. So Chris Mannheim wrote all the lyrics oh for my this, gosh. too. It's really fun. And it's like, a so, woman's a natural thing. And then it's like all of them like, <laughs> like just showing how unnatural the situation is. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> They're like, absolutely not. I spent 15 hours getting ready today. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> I haven't eaten in like yeah. a week. So, oh, at the very end, Zena's kind of chatting with one of the sponsors and he's like, you move very well. Ooh, and she yeah. goes, thanks. <laughs> yeah. It made me laugh. I don't know if it made you laugh. <laughs> Um, oh, it's the Palatine of Parnassus. And he kisses her oh, yeah. and she grabs his throat mm-hmm. and tells him to keep his greasy lips off her arm and to apologize to his contestant. Mm-hmm. Who's like really mad. Obviously. Yeah, she's pissed. Mm-hmm. So we go back to the contest. Mm-hmm. Salmonius is the timeline of the contest is a little confusing for me because it's just seems like it's this like week long event or right. something. And <laughs> They've people been come and go. Their thing. Yeah. Okay, so we're introducing the women. I loved this portion. Oh, I know. Miss Skiros I loved it loves too. music, exotic dancing, and sacrificing to the gods. I love the way Amazing. he delivers it too. I and know. Sacrificing and to the gods. Favorite deity, her favorite deity, Aphrodite. Aphrodite. <laughs> Miss Amphipolis does local volunteer work with Hestian virgins <laughs> making candles, and she's a country girl at heart. I know. That made me really chuckle. It was so funny. And then Palatine stands up and yells that it's not a contestant. It's Xena Warrior <gasps> Princess. Oh, no. Oh, no. Has she been found out? <clears throat> Is she, they think she's a hired mercenary. Oh, no. They're going to arrest her. Xena's evaluating the situation. But then we see it's Miss Artifice wearing Xena's <gasps> costume. Oh, Honey, I'm no princess. I'm a queen, she says. And yes. Everyone applauds. Everyone applauds. She's wearing Xena's outfit. I... Learn at this moment, maybe it had been said earlier, that they're competing for the misknown world. (laughs) 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 Misknown world. (laughs) Woo! So the semifinalists are Miss Messini, Miss Skiros, Miss Parnassus, Miss Artifice, and Miss Amphipolis. A lot of S's. Yes. And Gabby yells, Miss A all the way. (laughs) (laughs) She's so funny. So Xena is like hilariously shocked. She's like, me? Yeah. Me? Oh, very Miss Piggy. And then Xena and Miss Artifice have a moment. Mm-hmm. And Xena's like, why? Yeah. And Artifice is like, knew that Xena would be accused. So she put the outfit on to deflect. This was also a confusing plot yeah. point. Because like, I love that Xena's like, why? Like, why did you do it? She's very serious. And then Miss Artifice mm-hmm. is like, I guess we both have our secrets. It's like, <laughs> what? which... I'm, I'm so confused. What, like, which is the secret? Is it that, like, Xena, Xena, or is it that she, like, doesn't want to tell Xena why she put on Xena's outfit? But I think you're right that it's like a deflection thing. I think she, I think it's a, a trade in keeping secrets. Like, okay. that makes the most sense as a plot point. Is that, yeah. It's like, we both have our secrets. You kept mine, so I'm helping you keep yours. Yeah. And it was, like, definitely a strategic power move I know. to, like, help Xena warrior princess. Yeah, except, like, also it could be, like, a, see, I know your secret. Because she didn't yeah. know until she found the costume, right? No, but I think this is also a, like, this is a with great power comes great responsibility moment. Mm-hmm. And I think it was clear that she wasn't using this power in a... Right. It didn't seem exploitative. A harmful way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's u- she's using it to like, build a bridge between her and Xena. Yeah, right. Also, she looks great in the costume. She was probably she like, looks amazing. this would be an amazing stunt like, for me I'll to definitely pull. wear this. Mm-hmm. Everyone else will be wearing like white and gold. I'm going to wear bronze and leather. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> so we go back to their changing room. Right. Gabby is like, just sing. You'll win. Yeah. And Zena's like, no, 
I only <laughs> sing if I'm moved, which is, I love that. I know. She's like, it's not about performance. Only when there's something behind it. I really love that she only uses her voice for, like, magic moments. Yes. Not She's not going to exploit it. Don't sell your art, Xena. <laughs> and then Gabby's like, as a fellow creative artist, I respect you, but what else can you do? And that really made me laugh, too. <laughs> that was good. Gabby in this episode, I feel like this is my favorite Gabby episode so far. This is one of my favorite Gabby episodes. She's just, like, so capable and funny and holds her own oh and god. she's just like and oh she, my like, god plays such a, a character well being herself at the same time it's amazing mm-hmm. amazing <laughs> so the matron comes in and wants to know what they're all doing there turns out there are meetings going on oh that gosh. no one knows know. about so the patrons are mad that they all look like fools why are they look like fools oh because they like accuse they were like it's Zena, but then it wasn't Zena. oh it wasn't Zena. okay and Marquesa is like, we're all on edge, mm-hmm. but it is a joke. And then there's only one girl who hasn't been attacked, and they turn to... Is it Skiros? I don't know. It's the guy who had been the peace, or he'd been like the Switzerland of the mall, Oh, that right? guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I fe- feel like and I Marquesa wrote his name down. I, I can't remember their something. names. <laughs> but Marquesa is like, you're all here to celebrate peace. Why are you fighting? <laughs> And they go back to the room and Gabby yells about how it's sabotage. Yeah. And Xena's like, it's just a bad dress. Chill out. Uh-huh. And it is a very hideous it's dress hideous. that someone has got for her. Corsity bodice with giant flowers and shapeless sleeves. Yeah. And then Xena's like, fine. And then she hacks it up with a knife and it looks great. Amazing. I also love her Amazing. super fast, like whoosh whoosh knife motion <laughs> to get it off. I know. Me too. She's a tailor. Who knew? She's fantastic. Couture, couture. couture. <laughs> the house matron comes in again. She's like, you're pretty good with a knife for a contestant, that is. And then Zena says, I have many, many skills. skills. <laughs> She's she like playing with a knife. Infamous quote. <laughs> quote of all quotes for Zena. And then we cut to Zena on the hillside by the ocean practicing her swords in her dress. I know. She looks amazing. She, she does. She's like, I just really feel like doing this right now. I know. I was inspired. I definitely, after watching this, I like, well, I've been packing for moving. Mm-hmm. And then I pulled out my Xena sword because I have <gasps> yes! a toy Xena sword. And then I was like, oh, I'll just play with this around the house. Get just up first. But she hears on the wind the soft sound of someone crying. She runs oh, to no. help. It's Miss Simicini playing her harp by the ocean. She's brought her heavy harp out to the bluff to practice <laughs> and cry. Through the sand. <laughs> She's like, ugh. <laughs> starts crying so she hates the pageant she really hates it everyone hates it it's except for miss amphipolis yeah and everyone thinks that it's really stupid mm-hmm. and that they all had to live through so many years of war yeah. just to do this like stupid superficial thing right. they they've hate been it. through a lot and they're sophisticated people who like have a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge and, and a lot to offer mm-hmm. besides just their faces right exactly and, yeah, we hear, like, the story again about how Miss Parnassus is trying to get food for her village and Miss Skiros wants mm-hmm. to get away. And Miss Messini was entered by her boyfriend and didn't want to hurt his feelings. And Zena says, you should tell him. What about your feelings? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> tell him how you're feeling. You're entitled. <laughs> the amount of time that Zena's like, says what about your feelings to women in these situations oh is just 
amazing. <laughs> She's like, I know what I said before, but you know how I feel about you. I respect yeah, you like, and I, everything about you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I was like, you are trying. You are plugged into life and you want to be a helper. Yeah. I am here to help you too. Uh, um, I love Zeta so much. Miss Massini's mannerisms really remind me of Star from Lost Boys. Ooh, yeah. And, oh my God, who's that actress? Yeah, she was, I know. I just realized like maybe it's the same person, but it's probably different. <laughs> no, it's different. <laughs> she was in Twister. We watched Twister like oh, yeah. within the last six months. I forgot about that. <laughs> Twister. <laughs> Ooh, is that Star from Lost Boys? <laughs> What happens? So then so, we cut to the big iridescent oh, yeah. clamshell and the catwalk at yeah. night. And someone's yes. sawing in the ceiling and we see the sawdust coming down. <gasps> oh, no. Someone's sabotaging the set. Uh-oh. So the next morning, Skiros is spying on Zena's room, Miss Skiros. Oh. And Zena catches her. And then she's, she's like, like, good luck. And the girl says, I make my own luck. I make my own luck. And then they don't need a pageant to change it. Yeah. And Gabby runs up. The talent event has already started. They moved everything up. Quick. Messini's playing her harp. She looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's like an elaborate jazz piece on the harp. She's yeah, like, it was pretty cool. I know. It was very unexpected and angular and mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. She's just doing what she wants. <laughs> and Miss Artifice does some ribbon dancing. Like a wonderful circus ribbon dance with like silly plate spinning music. It was so great. And it was like so fun for her to this character to like have a joke that she's performing. Yes. It's not about her identity. Yeah, like absolutely. she's just doing something funny. <laughs> oh, it was great. Was that great? That music that's like automatically funny, which is like that. Oh, I believe it's the flight of the bumblebee. Oh, really? I think so, isn't it? Now I have to remember the flight of the bumblebee. Let's let's all take a moment to remember. <laughs> Try your best. Hum it out to yourself. Uh, I thought it was. What's the flight of the bumblebee then? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, she tangles herself up in the ribbons and just like shimmies off stage. Yes. And then Miss Skiros comes on as a snake charmer. Very cool. The snake is very rubbery. Mm-hmm. Really hilarious puppetry. Oh my gosh, so great. But uh-oh. And as this is happening, the roof starts falling down. <gasps> it's trying to wiggle. And we learned uh-huh. that it's the host that like was rushing the event to start early. He's mm, like, you've yeah. got to start it now. And then we're like, <laughs> yeah. hmm, commercial break. And Zena's like staring at the host. And we see yeah. him looking up when we return. <laughs> and he's like and trying to, like watching the ceiling. No, he's definitely up to something. Mm-hmm. Zena sees what's happening, mm-hmm. flips onto the stage, shoves Mascaros out of the way, yes. kicks the snake <laughs> out of the basket as the ceiling falls and the snake goes, ee! <laughs> and lands right around her neck, just draped oh elegantly God. over her shoulders. So funny. <laughs> and then as the ceiling chunk lands, she flips on top of it and then she's just standing there smiling, yes. being amazing. Mysterious oh, is in awe. Brilliant. I know. Everyone so, applauds. Every, yeah, everyone's happy. Was that her skill? Was that her talent? We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Her talent <laughs> portion is cut out. Yeah, they're like, no more. So Zena goes wandering around the castle, and someone is conking sponsors out in the dark and dragging them. Where? Yeah. Oh, we don't know. Gabby and Salmonius are traipsing around backstage. Another sponsor is knocked out. Mm-hmm. Gabby's like, Zena's a cinch to win. <gasps> the matron is listening to them. And then 
it's it, a lot of stuff is happening at once. Yeah. As they're, everyone's wandering around. Right. So then Xena goes to find the neutral, quote unquote, mm-hmm. sponsor guy who's hosting the pageant. And he's and like, he Hello. says, he's, oh, hey, he says he's responsible for the accidents because he needs another war mm-hmm. so he can sell stuff to all parties involved. Right. And that's why Xena has to die. I'm like, why does she have to die? Oh, he's to kill her because he wants there to be drama at the pageant. So then everyone will blame someone else. So then I they'll start see. the war again. Okay. That's why she has to die, Haley. <laughs> <laughs> so, Got it. but luckily, she tied all of the sponsors up under the table and they heard everything. Yep. Now they're awake <laughs> under that tablecloth. She's like talking loudly. And I was like, oh, this mm-hmm. is like. In a modern Lifetime movie, they'd have her with, like, a tape recorder. And she's like, so you're the one who's been sabotaging the pageant. And he's like, I have to kill you all. And then she pulls the tablecloth off. and Everyone's there. Everyone who needed to hear it has heard it. Yeah, but strangely, Kleros, which is the neutral guy's name, Mm. continues to threaten her. And he threatens to disassemble her. What's he seeking to gain at this point? Because all of the guys know that he's the bad guy. Well, I guess all the dudes are, like, tied up. Mm-hmm. So he could still escape. I guess so. But I don't why know. doesn't he just escape right now if he thinks she's not Xena? Anyway, they fight. I don't know. I think he's, well, I mean, I could imagine that character would be very angry yeah. of having one pulled over mm-hmm. on him by it's a true. beauty contestant. Yeah. And he's, like, definitely a misogynist. Like, Yeah. Like, he's more interested really... in harming a woman than his own self-preservation. Exactly. Yeah. So she's like, trust me, you don't want to make me angry. Mm-hmm. And she elbows him and lets him use his own power against himself, yeah. which is also something I love that Zena does. That's perfect. And she's like, don't hate me because I'm beautiful. Yeah, she does a lot of good, a thousand like, times. pageant voice. Like, oops. Do you know what that line is from? Though? No, the what is it? From I'm beautiful? It's from a 1980s Pantene commercial. <laughs> I had to look it up. It was their, like, sales pitch. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love it. It's, yeah, there's definitely a, like, line of mm-hmm. on everything. Yeah. So she beats him up. Gabby runs in and is like, Xena! And then her cover's blown. And Xena responds, hmm? So she takes off her wig and her messy bangs are so relatable. <laughs> She's like, like many of you, I've had a wig on over my bangs all day. Or just, like, woke it up in the morning yeah. and, like, have your bangs to the side. <laughs> so welcome to my life every day. Thank you, Do Zena, you for representing me. Do you hair dry them down? I, I mean, I should be better about styling my face. They look great today. Well, I think that's because... You have your headband on? I have my headphones pressing them down. I do comb them. Nice. I brush my hair I've been combing regularly. my hair <laughs> lately. <laughs> it's great. Almost every day. Almost. Works but out. Yeah, every day is not necessary. Yeah. You know. Depends on if but anyone bangs, will see me. since they're like, you know, little curtains to the face. Yeah. You got to take care of them a little bit. Absolutely. Well, there's that. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> so they make it to the stage. Xena's in her armor. Salmonius is like, Xena, what have you done with Miss Amphipolis? And she's like, she withdrew from the pageant. She learned a lot from all of you. (laughs) But it's time she moved on. (laughs) (laughs) Like, um, oh, my God. Like, what character is that? Like, who just comes in and then it's like Artie from Pete and Pete. Yeah. Like Gandalf or something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the end of most like heartfelt cartoons yeah but i can't think of any 
precise examples, like, but I've don't seen this me because so many I'm times. beautiful. It's just like part of our collective, part of our culture, um, yeah. unconscious. Uh, yeah, there's a lesson, I mean, and she's learned part mm. of it, and everyone else has learned some too. So Skiros withdraws as well. Mm-hmm. She only needs herself. She doesn't need a pageant to escape from her bad luck. That's right. And Messini withdraws. Her boyfriend's fine with Miss it. Miss hmm And her boyfriend's like, no problem. We can go have fun. You don't have to do this. Yeah. Parnassus withdraws. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm not going to let my people starve. I'm going to help them plant and harvest with my strength. I'm not going to give away my pride and dignity for one winter's food, which is fair. It's, but they also probably could have used that money to buy like, some seeds. Now you've done it. You want to just win that money and food? But like... <laughs> I I totally feel her position, but I also totally yeah. feel that like one if if she was doing this pageant for winter's food, probably like one other set of arms they is not it. gonna like make the difference. But yeah. maybe we'll get like it they somewhere need that else, food now. You know, Zena can help. Something else will happen. Mm-hmm. Zena's gonna help with everyone. Yeah. So um so the winner is <gasps> now by default. Miss Artifice. Yay! She's gorgeous. She has on Beautiful. a glittery, corsety, gauzy dress. Roses and a crown. Salmonius's song is hilarious, but I didn't write down any of the lyrics. Me I wish neither. I did. I was like, this one's okay. better. I like it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, she's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, she is. She is beautiful. Zena, <laughs> uh, she grabs Zena, brings her up stage, and gives her a big kiss. Yeah. And Gabby's like a little uncomfortable, yeah. but keeps clapping. Zena's mm-hmm. a little shocked, but everyone's into it's it. Just a kiss. It's great. We love it. I love it, how supportive the mooch. audience is. Like every time oh, yeah. something terrible or great happens, they're like, I think it's part Woo! of the show. That's part of it. I'm entertained. <laughs> show me more. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, then we cut to later. Zena and Gabby, Gabby. and Zena walking somewhere. They gaze chatting. out over the rolling hills. They are talking about Miss Known World being a drag queen. Mm-hmm. And Gabby's like, it's kind of funny. And Zena's like, why? Yeah. Like, I don't find beauty. that funny Pieces at all. Piece. And I love that. I love that addressing that like someone might watch mm-hmm. this and think that yeah. someone, they're trying to tell a joke and like no yeah she's like beauty it's is not beauty and peace is peace she's fabulous yeah Ugh, loved it it's great i loved it too so did you research anything that we can talk about right now <laughs> uh, yes <laughs> Woo. yeah i uh did want to mention Karen Dior, who's the actor who portrayed Miss Artifice. And uh, it was the stage name of a male-identified actor named Jeffrey Gann. I believe that's the pronunciation of his last name. And he'd been in many films before, like adult films and other kind of mainstream films and TV But before the episode aired, he had been diagnosed with AIDS and had become an AIDS activist. And so at the time, this was like groundbreaking in so many ways, but in part because of the kiss at the end, because there was a lot of Mm -hmm. speculation and kind of fear at that time period in the late 90s about how AIDS spread. And Yeah, um, there's a lot of like misinformation about transmission. So this was like such a slap in the face to a lot of like kind conservative of, yeah. fear. Like bigoted misinformation that was yeah. um, harmful to people. So it was yeah. great to kind of hear that story and hear like. 
And also, I read a little interview with Chris Mannheim, oh, and she was saying that Miss Artifice was based on, well, not based, but it was kind of in honor of her brother, Keith Walsh, who had mm-hmm. passed away from AIDS in 1992. Mm-hmm. And then he'd done drag. He was in, like, the drag community. And, you know, like, so seemingly so was she from this interview, mm-hmm. that she was, you know, friends with all these folks. Great. And so this was just a really nice way to, like, portray just people that she loved. Yeah. You know, on screen right. in such a, like, supportive community-minded way absolutely it was super loving and and celebratory and i just loved like you know re-watching like xena i love how quickly we get into this space of openness and welcoming and love in this in the show and it's like we've seen it like from the beginning but you know we're only like midway through the second season in this show that has such a long runtime and long like legacy and career whatever so like yeah that we're here and like the stage is set so that we're already welcoming in like a lot of different communities and a lot of representation so it's lovely it is really beautiful i love just the message of xena respecting people Mm -hmm. you know just like greeting everyone who is just trying to like live their best life and not hurt anybody she's just like oh yeah like i respect you and meet you exactly as you're like wanting to be represented in the world absolutely i'm not gonna like and I love put my also, project on you anything. Yeah, like in this episode, how even like, um, like the other performers in the pageant as well are um, greeted and welcomed in with respect too. That there's not mm-hmm. like, you know, kind of the tropes of as you were saying, like women pitted against each other as yeah. like part of the competition. But in terms of the characters in the show, they're like each have their legitimate like desires and are worthy of respect and kind treatment totally like the only woman who was a contestant who was even acting in that kind of stereotypical way we would think of as a beauty queen Mm -hmm. was xena putting on her identity like putting on this character of miss amphipolis Mm -hmm. like being kind of ditzy and but no one else was even doing right everyone else was like a fully realized you know multi-dimensional person yeah i love that so I love it. I looked up acting in yeah. ancient Greece. Ooh. And I was interested in learning about it because, you know, this is a different kind of performance in a different kind of theater, but kind of thinking about theater and performance in ancient Greece. So I learned a lot. I did not know, but I learned this week that in Greek drama, three actors played all of the speaking roles in a tragedy. Hmm. And there could be others on stage, but there is no talking for them. Not allowed. Mm. Only three. Mm. And that, I thought, would be great for us in any future theater productions that we do. (laughs) Yeah. You, me, and Papa the Head. That's right. Each one of us gets all of the lines in the play. So, but what about the Greek chorus? I thought The Greek chorus is there as well. But they're not, like, on the stage, I think. They're, like, in, like... They're like, or maybe they are, but they're not like the individual speaking roles. Okay. So, the, oh, but they would like, yeah. They have their own like chorus. <laughs> chorus speaking. lines. Yeah, chorus yeah, lines. But they all but they're not like the, you know, Oedipus or something. They're not like the main characters. Yeah. yeah. So they were generally written for this. And this is all male, right? All male. All men yes. doing this. Okay. So there was male drag. So all Exactly. Like, yeah. Okay. And they were... These tragedies were written for the city Dionysia at Athens, which had about mm. 10,000 spectators, which is a lot of people. Wow. Yeah. And how could you hear if you're in the nosebleed seats? Well, you could go to an auditorium. 
I'm guessing. Auditorium. The Greek theater. That's how you hear. Specifically engineered for that problem. I'm supposed to hear me in the back. Can everyone hear me in the back? Is what they would say. <laughs> Before they get started. Everyone in the Just back hear me. Raise like... your hand. <laughs> Great. We'll get started. And it was. That's what I think they started plays like. <laughs> so prizes were given to the best playwright and the best actor. But only hmm. one of the three was eligible for that prize. So there's like always hmm. a protagonist, I guess, which was like the main actor for the play. Hmm. And actors wore a mask and a full body costume, which hid their person completely aside from their height and voice. But hmm. it seems like because people could vote for their favorite actor, people could still tell who the person was, even when they were playing multiple roles in a play. Interesting. And yeah, so I thought that was super interesting. So they're like switching between roles in the play. And the one rule that seems to have been followed there was that like multiple actors never played the same person. So there was mm. like you're designated like two or three characters or something. Maybe just two characters in a play. Such interesting storytelling that people were just used to at the time. I know. But it seems like it would be so jarring for us modern day viewers to try to watch a play like yeah, that. Yeah, it would be very interesting. Would they would they put on different masks? Is that yes, did you that's say that how already? they would do okay, it. So they would like change their masks. Okay, got it. And actors would regularly like cross gender lines. So you would play a woman in some scenes and a man in other scenes. Or mm -hmm. young people and old people, high and low status. So yeah, there were like no rules about who you could play as an actor. Why only three? Um, I couldn't so I read an article about it and they were like, we just don't know. Like they started with only one actor who would play mm -hmm. like everyone and then two hmm. actors who would play everyone and then three. And one speculation was that like the actors didn't want there to be more actors, but I don't really know why. Hmm. I mean, it's fair. Yeah. <laughs> it seems to have worked <laughs> out. People were like, good enough. <laughs> we don't need seven actors this out here. This is great. <laughs> we loved it. And, you know, there, it was like a ritual thing, too. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I couldn't, I actually probably would love to in another research time, like, look up the religious significance of it. Mm -hmm. But maybe there's some kind of ritual reason why the actors, you know, there's some kind of formality to it that would mean, like, you know, they are ritual performers. So maybe you don't want it to be like, hey, however many you want. It's like mm -hmm. they're kind of playing a role. But yeah, it seems like the main way that playwrights would designate the roles to actors was like thoughtfully, mm -hmm. but without like specific rules. So like one actor might play the main character and the enemy or something to kind of highlight similarities between them in an interesting rhetorical way or something. That's interesting. Yeah. Or they could play, okay. like, two characters who are on the same side of a conflict but see it from different perspectives or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, kind of, there are some interesting, like, ways in which this division of roles between three actors could have a rhetorical function in the play. Mm -hmm. So, that sounded pretty cool. And I also learned that song was a really important part of tragedies and people, like, oh. alternated between spoken word and sung poetry which hmm. would be performed by the chorus and by individual actors. Interesting. Very operatic. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was really cool. 
And then I was kind of looking more closely at like the role of gender in this. Mm -hmm. And I read an article by Froma Zeitlin, and they were arguing that the inversion of gender characteristics was like a regular part of Greek theater in which like female characters were already kind of given male valences or male like attributes in terms of like Clytemnestra Mm -hmm. or Medea Mm -hmm. kind of having attributes that were coded as male in ancient Greece. Mm -hmm. And she also mentions that like nuptial or puberty. Like physical attributes or like character? I think characteristics. Like strong will. Right, exactly. And kind of, yeah, resorting to violence or something. I'm not exactly sure exactly what the characteristics were, but like... um. Yeah, kind of like blending I'm, the gender characteristics already in the I'm with you. Yeah, exactly. And she also talked about how in like ritual life, especially around like nuptials or puberty rites, there were often like ritual dressing as the other gender mm. incorporated into those, which I hadn't read about before, but was interesting mm-hmm. in terms of like understanding the role of gender in ancient Greece. And she was saying that many scholars have interpreted those ritual kind of dressing as the other as a way of ritualistically like casting off the other gender as you enter into a formal like adult womanhood or manhood so you Mm -hmm. like dress if you're a girl dress as a boy and then like cast that off but she was saying it's also maybe like kind of like more complicated than that i guess that it can be about kind of incorporating femininity and masculinity into the whole person as well The last part of what Zeitlin was arguing had to do with the role of basically drag, but (laughs) very different in Greek theater. Mm -hmm. So men dressing as women in Greek theater. And she discussed how femininity in general in ancient Greece was often seen as kind of naturally, I want to say like duplicitous is how I was reading Mm. her discussion like an imitation of man. So from the creation myth, like Hmm. women made second as like a partner to man, but not as Mm -hmm. the same. And she was saying that like the character of femininity in Greek culture presupposed a level of performance or role playing and kind of a deceptive allure. Hmm. So that already like femininity has these characteristics of putting on a role Hmm. and She was saying that in theater in particular, we can think of theater as like a performance that was designed for men, for like the teaching of men, Mm. rather than like a reflection of real women. The women characters in theater were considered as like elucidating the fullness of manhood or something. That's so interesting thinking of like ancient Greek theater being a like teaching tool rather than entertainment Mm -hmm. or like a ritual tool. Yeah, right. Like it's about kind of, She was saying that this kind of theater, and this is a quote from her, used the feminine for the purposes of imagining a fuller model for the masculine self and playing the other open that self to those often banned emotions of fear and pity. So it was like a way Hmm. of inviting men into these experiences. Mm -hmm. You're having these like cathartic moments through a female character. Exactly. Huh. Um, Was this like with intention to kind of empathize with women or just using these i think it was the intention of like enriching male experience so like allowing Uh men to access these emotions rather than 
allowing them to empathize with women. Although I can, Mm. you know, anytime you have a performance, there's like the performance and then there's the interpretation. And of course, interpretations can go in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't seem like there was any prohibition against men identifying with the female characters. And there may have Mm -hmm. been some way in which that was encouraged by these theatrical performances. And I'm sure that now, played now, they do probably encourage that because of our cultural surrounding that also kinds of, um, we tend to interpret women as full humans (laughs) and not as like characters for our, for like our imagination to explore. But I thought that was pretty interesting. So it's like men playing women in terms of like exploring their own humanity rather than in terms of like exploring the humanity of this female experience or something, or this like women's experience. It is really interesting. And also like tying that into the, like how you were kind of describing that ritual of that like puberty ritual mm-hmm. of dressing as like the other like, gender or sex and then shedding yourself of that skin as you kind of step onto the other side of puberty. Yeah. But then kind of putting that sort of mantle back on mm-hmm. as a teaching tool to still access that like other path you could have taken or something. I don't know. It's yeah. very, it's very interesting. Well, you know, you think of, at least nowadays we think of ourselves as encompassing feminine and masculine in one person. Mm-hmm. And, and even just like divesting any uh, gender from character qualities. Mm-hmm. Right. Of like, yeah. Oh yeah. Like I'm assertive, but that doesn't mean I'm more male. Mm-hmm. It just means I'm assertive. Right. Or more of a man or something. It means that you're yeah. assertive. And yeah. so, yeah, and like these, right, these aren't like characteristics that are innate, but that are trained. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. Of course, it's one argument. I didn't read like a large debate about it, but I thought that was an interesting mm-hmm. idea and did seem to kind of track with what we know about misogyny in ancient Greece, that a lot of these spaces mm-hmm. were not open to women, especially in like classical period. Mm-hmm. But it does kind of... It's so interesting when, like, gatekeeping, top-of-the-hierarchy groups perform mm-hmm. the identities of, like, you subordinated. Know, folks considered... Le- yeah, subordinated people yeah. for their own, like, quote-unquote education. Right. or like Yeah, absolutely, for, like, the exploration so, of their own fullness. Yeah, without inviting any of these people to actually participate or without the consent of anyone. How harmful the ideologies of misogyny are to the misogynists Mm -hmm. as well, that they're closing off those spaces for themselves that they have to access ritualistically or or through this imaginative space rather than just allowing themselves to be like relaxed and neutral in other ways. Oh yeah. You want to talk about your feelings? You can talk about your feelings. How do you feel, Susina? How do you feel? Yeah. You're a person. <laughs> you don't have to yeah. do all this. Right. You can just go home and like tell someone if yeah. you're sad. Right. <laughs> it's, okay. <laughs> it's okay. But yeah, yeah. It's And it's also like interesting, you know, as I said, I'm just basing this off of this one article basically, but like the ways in which other societies make space for human fullness within mm. the constraints that they set up in terms of social structure, you know, where is the the valve for catharsis and fear and for other mm-hmm. things? And in and, and theater, maybe that's where it can be. And of course, you know, I didn't yeah. get into this too much, but like this festival also had satirical plays that are more kind mm-hmm. of like, incom- I didn't like 
I was fascinated, but I only looked at Wikipedia about it, Mm -hmm. about how like these satirical plays encompass both tragedy and like low comedy in terms of like a lot of erections, a lot of like sexual humor and like (laughs) farts and things, but also this like deep tragedy. So I was like, I want to look into that a little bit more, but it's also interesting, like who would go to which shows? Yeah, right. Did everybody go to all the shows? That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. Like who are the audiences? Are the actors in all sorts of plays? Are they only in the tragedies? So yeah, it was pretty interesting. And then I briefly looked up the role of women in Greek theater as well, Mm. just to see, you know, were they performing in similar things, not pageants, but something similar. And it seems like by Roman times, there were female actresses, actors in the plays. And they kind of acted in theater, but they also were performers in a lot of different ways, like dancers, castanet dancers were hired for village festivals in Roman Egypt. And certain dancers were kind of like mimes, like they would mime out a story with movements and gesture, which sounds mm. kind of cool. And then, but the status of actors and actresses was really low. And uh, many were enslaved who were hired out for this purpose or who served in their own household. Others were like itinerant. Many, both male and female, were assumed to be sex workers. And they were also subject to kind of violent abuse, basically, because they Mm. were of such low status. There weren't a lot of protections for them. But some could rise. Was this in ancient Greece as well, or is this This is mainly in Rome. I I read an article about it during the Roman period, but it seemed like, I think there may have been women in these other kind of fields of performance in ancient Greece, but Mm. not in the theater. And by Mm. Roman times. No speaking roles. Yeah, exactly. No speaking roles. There were actresses, and one of them was Theodora who became empress with Justinian. What? Yeah, she was oh an actress gosh. early in her life. It was life. like, I love her. Yeah. She rose through patronage and wow. um, became empress to Justinian, who, like, changed the law because there was a law that you couldn't marry actresses and couldn't have, like, mm-hmm. children who would inherit through actresses. It was like, nah. It was like, I love her and I'm marrying I her. I love her. And she's going to be the yeah. empress. <laughs> <laughs> they did. Write it down. Write it down. Have her portrait made in mosaic. <laughs> and they did. Oh my God. So, Great. yeah. I thought that was pretty interesting. That was super interesting. Yeah. I love research. I know. It really wanted made me want to dive more. And what I really, you know, as someone who was so fascinated by religious history and kind of mm-hmm. like the cultural and social systems of the past... It's always fascinating to me how things that we think of as like secular now are part of Greek religion and Greek kind of mm-hmm. festival life. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting how theater was such ritual. Yeah. And then it becomes just entertainment. But then it's still, you know, it's it's a moment of catharsis for all of yeah, us still. Right. Like, where you're like, I just really need to go cry. I'll watch whatever. <laughs> I'll watch this Nora <laughs> Roberts and see this. <laughs> <laughs> this novelist who now has laugh. to dress as. Like, um, seductively in order to lure the murderer to the house. And then <gasps> the hot cop has to catch her. But look, he's distracted. What's going to happen? Hot cop hot is cop. distracted by a lady. <laughs> hot cop <laughs> is distracted by love. <laughs> uh-huh. Is that the theme? That was the theme. You've watched it. <laughs> <laughs> well, what other themes did we find from this episode? Oh, my gosh. Don't take beauty contests at face value. Mm-hmm. Everyone has their reasons to sign up. Yeah. People are motivated Feminism by is... real things. Yeah. That affect their lives. Go. They're not just like, you know, egomaniacs. Plugging along. Mm-hmm. I know. So who would you give your extra Oscar to? Mm-hmm. Good question. Um, 
Who would I give my extra Oscar to? I mean, I'm thinking of the matron, but she has lines. She did have lines. I, for me, it's the like Baywatch moment at the beginning. Yeah. When all the girls were running true. and the dudes were like, give me a kiss. Yeah. The extra <laughs> pageant contestants were pretty great. <laughs> they were really fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like, all, yeah, all the extra ladies. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they can have a couple extra Oscars. Yeah. There's no Argo in this episode. I know. Just lost. Joxer's taking care of her. Joxer's taking care of. What's your favorite Gabby moment? Ugh, there's so many. I think when she's talking to Messini and she's like, just do it. And she's like, <laughs> you should be nice. <laughs> I loved everything about her. I also really love the clam moment yes, in the beginning. It was, was such a so chatty food moment. Good. And it tied into the other episode where she loves clams. And it let us know how much she loves clams. It wasn't just that she was like under a spell in the other episode. She was so good. Why did she love clams that Remember? much? I thought she loved fish cakes. Oh, fish cakes. I just confused the two. She's into seafood. <laughs> She loves salt pork. Yep. She loves fish cakes. She loves clams. clams. Is it because her hometown was landlocked, you think, and she didn't get a lot of these Maybe. sea delights? She is adventurous. She's an adventurous palate. <laughs> like someone else we know, <laughs> Miss Clam Linguini. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> Give me Clam Linguini anytime. <laughs> anytime. Oh, dear. Salt pork. So... Salt pork. Get your salt pork. Get your salt pork. (laughs) Ah, good episode. So great. Well, again, a huge thank you to listeners. Yeah. And a special huge thank you to all our Patreon members. Mm -hmm. You guys are amazing. Uh, If you haven't seen our Patreon, we post our episode research citations there for everybody to see. And then Patreon members get special access to extra screenshots from the episodes. We do some fun book reviews and uh, we've been posting coloring book pages Mm -hmm. from a Xena coloring Mm -hmm. book that I have, which is great. We also share mini-sodes with additional research from episodes. Uh, You can find a link to our Patreon in this episode description. You can also find links to our Instagram and Facebook and our merch shop. Yes! We got stuff. Some merch. Thank you, guys. Well, Well. that wraps it up for me. Anything else you got for the can? For the can? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) What kind of can? I don't know. Just the can we're speaking into in this game of telephone. This mechanical can I have. For the mechanical can, I'd like to say, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Same. (laughs) I thought this was so great. And I just love the nostalgia of watching this episode. Mm. Oh, yeah. I love everything about it. I loved it. Mm -hmm. So much fun. Yeah. Joy. Joy. Well, dear friends, until next time. Uh, <laughs> Hooray! Hooray! All right. Another episode. Another stopping. episode. Mm. I'm gonna stop recording. <laughs>